0: God the Lord's good to us thank you father thank you <clears throat> thank you Lord uh, if you want to you can join me in Galatians chapter 5 amen <laughs> and uh, the Lord uh, of course said the the five things that he said to Pastor Michelle, uh, concerning <clears throat> what we needed to to do in the year coming up and the first one uh, was that we needed to um, it was going to require the walk of faith and she was teaching today and the lord had said that uh, in the in the time coming up that humility and the love walk were going to be crucial is that how he said it honey Vital humility and the love walk. <clears throat> we're going to be vital and. Uh, the spirit of violence, develop humility. Developing humility, develop in humility and the love walk. And uh, the Lord said something to me a few weeks ago in healing school, and I've been teaching on it uh, quite frequently. And he made this statement. He said, when you're dealing with a natural truth you have to turn to a higher truth. And, and this is not what I'm teaching on, but he said, when you get a report from the doctor, when you get a, a report, a financial report, whatever it may be, that is the truth. Now, a lot of people will say, well, no, it's not true. It is. It's true in the natural. If you go to the doctor and the doctor says, look, we found this in your body. That's a natural truth. You understand? Here's where a lot of people get their faith shipwrecked. Is they want to immediately uh, call the doctor wrong and the doctor's just giving you the facts. Right? See, I've got to turn to a higher truth. I've got to turn to a greater truth. The, The greater truth in that instance, is I'm healed. Jesus carried my sicknesses and bore my diseases to the cross. Is that right? And paid the price for them. That's the higher truth. That's the greater truth. If if you spend time, if you spend too much time just trying to deny the lower truth, you'll never get into the higher truth. Faith is not denial. Faith faith is not denying something. Faith is believing something. Well, I don't believe what the doctor said. Well, what do you believe? Because it's not enough just to not believe what the doctor said. What do you believe? Amen. That's a good place to say, I believe God. Right? See, what do you believe? Because somebody will say, well, I've had people come to me and say, well, I went to the doctor, and the doctor said this, but I don't believe it. Well, what do you believe? Because, because you've left yourself at a deficit. Well, I, I don't, doctor, I don't believe I have that. What do you believe? What do you believe you do have? See, I've, I've got to turn to a higher truth. I've got to turn to a greater truth. Well, the Lord said something else to me about turning. He said, you've got to turn your attention to spiritual things. And, and I've been kind of preaching this at intervals about giving attention to the things of the Spirit. The, the Lord said, through Pastor Michelle, he said, uh, one of the five things was you have to know the leading with a certainty. Well, you can't be certain if you're not paying attention to the things of the Spirit. Yeah, amen. Amen. I can't be certain of the leading if I'm not paying attention to the things of the Spirit. You can be in a Pentecostal church and a Pentecostal denomination and know nothing about the leading of the Spirit. I, I grew up Pentecost. And I didn't grow up full gospel or charismaniac. I grew up pentecostal all right I mean pentecostal full-blown pentecostal no makeup women didn't cut their hair women didn't wear pants men didn't wear boots amen we were pentecostal you understand now I'm not saying that because I'm proud of that I'm saying we spoke in tongues I mean we we had the tarrying sessions around the altar I mean, you just had to tarry, had to tarry for the things of God. Right? Just come up here and tarry. Amen. I'm, I mean, and, and I'm not getting into all that. But, you know, we, we had the guys, one on one side and the other on the other side. Lord, send the rain. Lord, send the fire. Lord, send the rain. Lord, send the fire. Amen. Let go. Hold on. Let go. Hold on. Let go. Hold on. Amen. And I've watched the power of God fall in those meetings and just not lay people out. And the people at the altar, tearing didn't get anything. They, they walked out of there without the evidence of the Holy Ghost. Because we were big on tongues and speaking in tongues, but we were not big on spiritual things. We stopped there. You you following me? Amen. I mean, they would argue with you about whether it was Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost. There's one lady. She now I'm not being ugly like this, but she. I I mean, listen. She could have whooped any man in that church, and she was adamant. Adamant. Bless God, we're Pentecost. It's the Holy Ghost. Don't damp him down by calling him the Holy Spirit. He's the Holy Ghost. And I thought, well, dear Lord, I mean, I guess, I guess people in the Bible didn't know what they were talking about, I guess. But here's my point. We were big on, we're going to speak in tongues. But as far as things of the Spirit went, things of the Spirit there was no attention given to it. Amen. The Lord said to me, the things of the spirit have to dominate the thinking. He said for them to dominate, proper attention must be given to them. And when the focus becomes the things of the spirit, wisdom and understanding will begin to flow. And he said, he went on to say, there cannot be an increase of spiritual activity Without an increase of attention given to the things of the spirit, no increase of spiritual activity without an increase of attention to things given to the spirit. And so, I'm I'm not going to recap a whole lot. You can you can get on uh, YouTube or uh, the Roku channel or go back on previous podcasts and and find. I think I have part one and two of this on on. Uh, online available but we i talked a lot in there from the book of acts and the spiritual activity that was going on in the church Uh, one instance you don't you don't have to go there you can write it down if you want acts chapter 12 verse 1 through 5 and it says that uh, uh herod that he reached out and he vexed certain of the church and he killed james the brother of john with the sword and because he saw that it pleased the people he took peter intending to execute him on the next, actually the next morning would have been uh, Easter morning. and But it says this, watch, it says this, but prayer was made without ceasing for him. Prayer was made without ceasing for him. And it goes through the whole story about how he was asleep in prison, and the angel of the Lord came in, walked, walked through the first two gates, walked by four or five guards, came in the, in the prison cell, uh, smote Peter on the side and said, rise, let's go. Remember? And Peter went through the first gate and the second gate. And when he got out in the street, he said, Wow, that must have been an angel. But it says he went to the house of John Mark's mother. And watch, they were praying. So very often in that story, we focus on the angel that showed up in the prison cell. What preceded that and what caused that? Prayer without ceasing. Spiritual activity spiritual activity amen did you see that the church is a spiritual vehicle we're people of the spirit we're told to walk in the spirit we're told to live in the spirit is that right We're, we're told to love by the spirit to speak by the spirit now now That's talking about not just the Holy Ghost, but our reborn human spirit. I've got to turn my attention to the things of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 is where we want to begin. I I don't plan to be before you long, but uh, long enough to get this to you. Amen. Tell your neighbor, I'm glad I came to church tonight. The things of the Spirit. I think that very often in in the church, we have a different set of parameters for what spiritual is than what the Bible says. I, I, I that that that's that's a, as I, as I read through the Book of Acts, a lot of times I don't know that if I held some parts of the church today up to the Book of Acts, if I would recognize it. And it's not because the church is weak or powerless. It's when you read through the book of Acts, and, 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 and I'm always hearing people say, we need to get back to the, the ways of the early church. Listen, we're growing, we're maturing. We're, we're over 2,000 years old as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in the earth. We should have, if I can say this, you, you bear with me, we, we should have lapped them in some areas by now. Is that right or not? Why? Because we should have grown. That right? If, if if you look at a child that's that's five years old, well you would hope that by the time they're twenty, right? That they've grown up. Mm. Mm. So so what I'm saying is it's not trying to get back. It's trying to say, okay, their focus was spiritual things. And if I focus on spiritual things, those same events, those same things will occur. And I'm not just talking about the signs and wonders. I'm talking about the growth, the the people getting saved, the lives being changed. That was because they were spiritual. We look at Peter preaching the message on the day of Pentecost and how 3,000 people were born again. Where did that message come from? That message came from the spiritual activity that was occurring in the upper room. They were all together in the upper room. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 1 that the 120 were gathered together there with the apostles and the women and they were all praying in one accord. Praying. When, when you look at uh, 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 the 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 end of Acts chapter one, it says that Peter and the and the other uh, ten came together and they said, "Now look, we got to make a decision here because uh, we need to add another one to our number because Judas gave up his position." Right now, I've heard people say well, that's that's when the church started getting in trouble. They started voting. Have you ever read the Bible? The book book of Acts chapter 1 says that they gave lots, sacred lots, and that when they took lots, they prayed and said, Lord, which of these two do you want to be in this position? And they cast their lot that they had prayed over, and the lot fell on Matthias. And I've heard people I respect greatly, that I have great honor for. Say, well, you knew that was it, that it should have been Paul. It wasn't supposed to be Matthias because you never hear a Matthias again. Can I ask you a question? When do you hear Thaddeus again? Or Bartholomew? Or Simon the Zealot? How about Thomas? We have no record other than history about what any of them did. My point is. How do we know they made the right decision? They made it out of spiritual activity. They prayed about it. Amen. Galatians 5 and 22. You know these verses, but let's look at it. Galatians 5, 22. I just want to read the first line. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Now, there's others mentioned, but notice the very first one. The very first fruit of the spirit is love now the Holy Spirit authored the Bible and nothing is there by happenstance the Holy Spirit put love first the fruit of the reborn human spirit is love the The very first thing that uh, Romans 5 5 says that the, the that the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Well when was the Holy Spirit given to you? When you were born again. So what accompanied the, the giving of the Holy Spirit? Love. God's love. Is that right? And, and and the Greek says that God's love still floods your heart by the agency of the Holy Spirit. So what that means is I have an, an ever flowing supply of the God kind of love in my heart at my disposal, whenever I want it. Amen. The very first fruit, and notice, of the Spirit is love. So we get an indication here from the very beginning that spiritual people walk in love. That love is a spiritual activity. Let me come over here where they're listening. Love is a spiritual activity. We get an indication that spiritual people walk in love. That love is spiritual activity. So every day, do we or do we not have an opportunity to turn our attention to that spiritual thing called love? Amen. Amen. Now I'm not going to talk about being offended and, and all the things we normally talk about. I, I just want to show you tonight that love is a spiritual attribute. Amen. The very first fruit of the spirit is love. Amen. How I respond determines what has my attention. Love has to grab and hold our attention. Love, God's love in us. Pastor Michelle s- spoke about that today. Love, God's love in us. And and, and went and we're not going to go there tonight, but went down through that list and said it's not touchy, it's not fretful, it's not vainglorious, it's not prideful, it's not haughty. It prefers the other person. Love is spiritual Activity. I've got to turn my attention to it. If if you don't turn your attention to love, love never has your attention. Amen. And we're not just talking about when people have done you wrong. It's you've got to walk in the flow of love. Faith works by love. It's what the scripture says. Galatians 5, 7 says, faith works by love. Faith worketh by. That that preposition by. It it means the channel, the means of faith working, of faith being energized. One translation, I believe it's the Weeks Bible, says faith comes to its full manifestation by love. So here's the thing. A lot of times people talk about, I just need to build my faith. How does that faith you're building come to full expression? By love. Remember what James said? He said, if a brother comes in and he's naked or destitute of his daily needs, and you say to your brother, you say a good confession over him, a good faith-filled confession, my brother, be blessed, be clothed, and be warm. And nevertheless, you don't give him those things that he needs. How does the love of God dwell in you? What what was the context? Faith and works. You can tell that, brother, I got faith that God's going to meet your needs. I got faith that God's going to do this for you. Right? Now go on. I got faith for you. He says love will cause you to do something. I might not can meet all of his needs, but I can help him if, if love has my attention. If love has my attention, I got to turn, because, because what's, oh Lord, I'll get in trouble if I say, if I talk about this too much, because what's, what's the idea that we get? Well, they're there because, because, you know, something they did. Well, I, I know they're irresponsible. So how do, what does that have to do with love? Now, I'm not saying you just throw money away to people. All right? I've put people out of my house before because they wouldn't live right. And I give them a chance after a chance after a chance, and finally they hit the end of chances. Because this is a godly home, and I'm not going to put up with that. But here's the point. What what does that if you did make the mistake, if you did cause the problem, what has that got to do with love? I'm saying that what you did is not worthy of the love of God. When God, what if He thought that way? That, that what's jo- the Bible say in John chapter 3, verse 16? God so loved the world That he gave his only begotten son that whosoever. Now, wait a minute. Surely in those whosoever's, the position they were in was their fault. I'll say this with no fear of reprisal. Everybody that was saved, you were where you were because of you. And yet God saved you. Why? Because he loved you. So, hear me. So what did God do? He turned his attention to love. And then what's the next verse say? For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Now watch the key. You've got to believe to accept the love. And when you come and you believe in the love, God doesn't condemn you. He saves you. Amen. Amen. So our job is not condemn. Our job is show the love. Amen. Sometimes believers are so worried that if they show love, that 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 they can't stand for anything. I can love you and tell you the truth. The Bible says I need to tell you the truth in love. But but understand, I'm not telling you the truth just to set you straight. I'm telling you the truth in love because I love. Amen. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Turning our attention to spiritual things. Would love be spiritual. The Lord helped me see this years ago when I I, I heard Brother Hagin say, and he said the most profoundly spiritual men and women that I know are people that walk in love. And that just imprinted my spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. Notice what it says. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. For they, the things of the Spirit, are foolishness to him. Neither can he know them, because they're spiritually discerned. What is spiritually discerned? The things of the Spirit. But he that's spiritual judges or discerns all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. So notice he says there's a natural man and there's a spiritual man. And he said the man that's always focused on the natural cannot understand the things of the Spirit. Now that's not just speaking in tongues and shouting and dancing. People that walk by their natural senses cannot understand how you can walk in love with somebody that did you wrong. It's foolish to them. They don't understand it. Amen. But it says the spiritual man discerns all things. In other words, there's things you'll see because the things of the Spirit have your attention. That makes sense. When when you make a decision to walk in love, you would be shocked how many doors start opening. Because because until a person makes a decision to walk in love, there are things that God has no reason to give them because they're not going to walk in love with it. Right. This is so important. You know, I've known people before, I've known men and women before that wanted a church. They wanted the pastor. I'm called the pastor. And they wouldn't walk in love. Well, God's not going to give you people that you won't love. That's one, of the most, that's one of the most spiritual things you have to do. We see events like tonight, and I love it when the Holy Spirit moves the way that He's been moving tonight. That's wonderful. But I'll tell you why the Holy Spirit can move through my wife and I in this congregation. We love you. Period. Amen. Because to be spiritual, you've got to love. Amen. Do do you see that? The natural man doesn't understand that. I've had people come to me before and say, Pastor, I need you to forgive me. Done. Yeah, but you don't know what for. It doesn't matter. You asked me to forgive you. Well, it can't be that easy. It is when you're giving your attention to it. You've got to give your attention to it. But they did this and they did that and they did this. That's what's got your attention so the things of the Spirit can't get your attention. What can God release when I'll just turn myself to the things of the Spirit? Amen. There's a flow of authority and a flow of victory that starts flowing into the believer's life when they will walk in love. Because when when I walk, listen, one of the reasons, see, we quote this scripture, and it says Jesus said this. He said, the prince of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. And we quote that very often in the context of his authority, and that's true. But one of the reasons the devil had no foothold, no place in Jesus, Jesus walked in love. You know, we see him calling people hypocrites, whitewashed tombs. And we think that, you know, that Jesus was being hard and mean. He was walking in love. What were the hypocrites doing? He said this. He said this. He said, he said you, you're hypocrites. He said, you will go halfway across the world to make one disciple. And when you make him a disciple, he's twice the child of hell that you are. Because you're bad-mouthing all these people. You're you're a hypocrite. And he said, the prostitutes and the thieves are all going into the kingdom before you. Why? You won't love. What did Jesus reprimand the people at Simon's house for when when the woman that we know was Mary came in? And broke that alabaster box over Jesus, and began to anoint him, and wash his feet with the hairs of her head and the tears that were in her eyes. And Simon, sitting there, thought it. He didn't say it. He thought it. If he knew what kind of woman this was, he wouldn't live. He was a prophet. He would know, right? And what? Remember what Jesus said? He said, "What do you think, Simon?" And remember, he went through the story about the the people that were that owed and were forgiven he said who's going to love that man the most he said well I reckon the one that was forgiven the most and Jesus said you rightly discerned. and then he pointed to the woman and he said because she's been forgiven of so much that's why she's willing to do this and he said I'm telling you that everywhere she goes in the world this event is going to be spoken of as a memorial to her Simon was what the woman was Jesus' focus was what the woman was doing, repenting, love. Do do you understand? Hallelujah. The spiritual man is responding spiritually because his focus is spiritual things. See, there are people that think, you know, to be spiritual, you can't ever watch TV. You can't ever watch a football game. Well, well, granted, you got to watch what you watch on TV. But spiritual people have no problem with watching what they watch on TV. I have no problem not watching people curse. I'm spiritual. It violates my spirit. I have no problem not watching pornography. It violates my spirit. I've had people say, Pastor, how do I quit watching pornography? Get saved. Get saved. Just get born again. I'm serious. Start turning your attention to the things of the Spirit. You can, I don't know, Lord, why am I saying, I don't know why, but you can put every every guard on that computer. You can you can hook it up with your wife's email. You can do whatever you want to do. But here's the issue. If you don't start turning yourself to spiritual things, and, and what is it? When you love your wife, more than you love the flesh, you won't look at pornography. Amen. And, and that computer will sit in your, in your living room or wherever it's at, and you'll have no problem because there's a greater truth that you're operating in. Amen. Hallelujah. That's a good place for you to say, love will govern me. Do you see that? Glory to God. The spiritual man will have a different response. The spiritual man will have a different response when they're done wrong. Because, because, right? What's what's 1 Corinthians 13 say? It says love Pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Now I can hear that in the Spirit because people will say, but you don't know what I've been through. But but the Lord does. God does and He put that in the Word. When it says it pays no attention to a suffered wrong, the idea there is of a bookkeeper keeping books and writing down every transaction. And he says that love does not write down transactions when they're done wrong. Well, what if I still remember it? You've got to turn your attention to spiritual things. Now, I'm throwing a lot at you, but bear with me. Remember what Jesus said? <coughs> Excuse me. He said there was a, the, the man that had a, a, a servant that owed him in our money It was several million dollars and he and he said okay i'm calling you on the carpet pay me what you owe me i'm putting you in prison and your family till you pay it all right there was no way no way in that day and age he could have ever paid that money back but he fell on his knees and he said lord be patient with me, and I'll pay you all. Now watch. And it says, the Lord forgave him. Wiped out the debt. Everybody say, wiped it out. Wiped out w- clean Wiped it out. It's not on the books. Right? Amen. The that same man went out and found somebody that owed him $20. And the Bible says, the, the King James says, he, uh, 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 he choked him. The Weiss Bible says he went to wringing his neck and, and, and saying, now imagine this, here's this guy, got this guy by the neck that owes him $20, saying, pay me what you owe me. The man fell on his knees, be patient with me and I'll pay you all. No! Threw him in prison. Some of the other men went back and told the Lord what had happened. He said, oh, I'll bring him here. And he said, you wicked servant. He said, when you ask me to forgive you, I frankly forgave your debt. And he said, but not now. Now, wait a minute. People say he changed his mind. No, he didn't. That man's unforgiveness changed his mind. Unforgiveness, not walking in love, will get you put in a prison that you can't get out of. It's what the Scripture says. It says that he's going to go into prison until he pays it all. And the Bible says that, that the, king, the Lord said, deliver him to the tormentors. So what does that tell us? When, you're not, when you, we don't walk in love and turn our attention to the spiritual force of love, the torment that we feel we think it's the other person, it's the devil. The other person's going on with their life. And the devil's the devil's keeps picking on you and picking on me. Amen. Say this out loud. I won't waste one more night's sleep on unforgiveness. Not one more night. I've got things to do for God, you've got things to do for God, you've got victories to win, you've got victories to have in your life, you've got peace that you need, you've got children that need you, grandchildren that need you, you've got a spouse that needs you. Nothing worse than living with a cranky woman or a cranky man. What is wrong with you? I'm just thinking about old so-and-so. Well, you need to be thinking about good old handsome so-and-so. Me. Turn your attention to me, darling. Amen. I promise I'll make you forget them. i make it all better. Come on now. Praise God. Really, bro? Right? The spiritual man will have a different response. Now look at Galatians 6. Am I helping you at all? Something my pastor said to me years ago that just imprinted my spirit, and I've, I've, I've remembered it for I don't know how many years, but he looked at us one day, and 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 I don't even remember why he was saying it. It doesn't matter. Uh, he looked at us about pastoring, and he said the greatest thing that you can ever do as a pastor is walk in love and stay above the fray. He said it doesn't matter what anybody else is doing. That's what it was. He said don't ever be found talking about other pastors in the city he said walk in love and stay above the fray amen when when we started this church we had ministers get mad at us well who they think they are starting a church right there right down there not very many blocks from us i i gotta be where god told me to be i'm i'm right But, but I'm going to walk in love and stay above the fray. When people ask me about that man or that woman, I say, they're, they're great people. Great pastors as far as I know. Why? I'm going to walk in love and stay above the fray. You want to keep your clothes clean? Walk in love. The, the only way you get muddy is when you start slinging it. Right? And and, and and that's with everybody. That that means we don't talk about our neighbors. We don't run them down because they got a bad yard, or or right, or their their drainage drains into my yard. And why well, I want to turn my attention to spiritual things. There are people that have missed out on spiritual benefits because they would not forgive their neighbor. Hmm. Amen. Did you find Galatians 6 and 1? Brethren. Now notice, who's he writing to? The brethren. That would be us. Right? If a man is overtaken in a fault. Now watch this phrase. You that are spiritual. Now what's it saying? There's some that aren't. But if you're spiritual, what do you do? Restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. Now watch. Considering yourself, lest you be tempted. When the the Word talks about a man being overtaken in a fall, it it literally means this, that that if a man got up in the morning, he didn't intend to do this. this. This wasn't premeditated. He found himself tripped up and entangled in something. And notice what it says. It's basically saying this. If you find out about it, if you're spiritual, restore him. Do what? Restore him. Is that right? Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, if you fall, I'm going to restore you. Tell them again, say, I mean it. If you fall, I'm going to restore you. It's important. People have to know that the people that they come and they congregate with and that they call their spiritual family and that they call their brothers and sisters, they have to know that restoration is available. Amen. That word, when it says restore, it means to set right. And it, and it literally carries the idea of setting a bone. In other words, this person fell and they knocked a bone out of joint and they come to you and you don't go, serves you right. You shouldn't have been out there running with them you was running with. Right? Well, what do we do? We take them in, we set the bone. and And watch, how do we set it? Quietly, gently, gently, in meekness. What is meekness? Humility. Why why do we help others in humility? Number one, I have been where they're at. Number two, I'm capable of falling for the same temptation. Is that right? And how do I do that? In meekness. What, what is haughtiness? Remember Pastor Michelle was talking the haughtiness of eyes and the Bible says love is not haughty. So love doesn't look at somebody in a problem go, I can tell you why you're there right? I might have to tell them you know while I'm setting that bone now you know we're going to get this fixed and don't you run back out there and get involved in that again. That's the spiritual response. So, what does the spiritual activity? What what do we turn to? Restoration. Restoration. Look at Matthew seven. We're I'm I'm hurrying, but I need you to see this because it's uh it's I'm I'm certainly not saying that anybody is not walking in love, but but you know uh you don't you don't. There, there's certain things, you know, you know the thing about vitamins, you know what I found out about vitamins, they don't taste good. They don't smell good, but boy, they work good, right? So to get children take vitamins, what do we do? We give them gummies, and they chew up the vitamins. I'm giving you gummies tonight. Preventive medicine. Uh, Matthew 7, verse 1, judge not that you be not judged. Now, very often when we think of this word judge, we think of, uh, uh, you know, this situation where we're judging like a rotten apple or, or a good apple. The word here in the Greek is censorious criticism. Don't be critical. Jesus says don't be critical because to set yourself in the place of the critic here's the problem with, with critics they give their opinion and that's all it is have you ever watched a football game and you wonder how Bubba sitting up there in the broadcasting booth that probably has never put on a pair of football cleats in his life is such an expert about what the man that's getting paid $14 million to throw the ball is doing. Well, what what people say, we call him a commentator. He's a critic. He's critiquing what that man's doing. Well, this is what he needed to do. Well, lace him up, Bubba, come on. When, when I was a boy growing up, The big rivalry was the New York Yankees and the Los Angeles Dodgers, right? And and the Yankees or the Dodgers had a a manager named Tommy Lasorda, and he was you know baseball managers always dress out in the uniform. Well, Tommy Lasorda had long ago lost his shape; he looked like a pear. And I remember one guy saying, you know. You know, why why do baseball managers dress in a uniform? I mean, what are you going to do? The third baseman goes down and the sword is going to trot out and say, yeah, I'm in. My point is, censorious criticism. It's easy to be a critic. All you got to do is criticize. I'll tell you why James is in the position he's in. Wait, wait, we're about to hear a critic. How do you know that that's why? You don't know. That's your opinion. And there's something about opinions that I've learned. They're like armpits. Most people, everybody's got them, and they all stink at some time or another. Opinion. Criticism. Right? I'll tell you why they fail. Well, number one, you shouldn't be talking about them falling that's called gossip and if I love somebody I don't talk about it okay do I got to give you Bible love covers a multitude a multitude is an innumerable number love covers love covers what sin doesn't justify it, doesn't act like it's okay, it deals with it, but it covers it. Is that right or wrong? If, if 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 you make a mistake, and you come to me, and you say, Pastor, I failed in this area, or I did whatever, okay, well let's pray, did you pray, did you ask God to forgive you? Yes I did, will I forgive you? Well then what are you going to say to everybody else? Nothing, what happened? If I forgave it, I have to forget it. That's what love does. Forgiving is forgetting. What did the man do when he forgave the debt? Forgot it. That man that owed him millions of dollars walked out of his presence debt free. Am I helping you? Don't, don't, I don't want to enter into this criticism. It's censorious criticism. Why? He said, with the same criticism you criticize with that's how people are going to look at you and and an even deeper meaning is that's how the father's going to have to deal with you ever how you deal with other people is how the father's got to deal with you because because he can, he can, he can't use a different bar of judgment than I use if I won't forgive you now these are the words of Jesus and you do whatever you want to do with what Jesus said But Jesus said, if you do not from the heart forgive your brother, your heavenly father won't forgive you. He didn't say couldn't. He said wouldn't. So what does that mean? That means there's things God would like to do for people, but he can't because they won't forgive. Yeah, but I just can't forgive them for what they did. You can start. You can start it by faith. Doesn't mean you got to hang out with them. Gotta be buddies. Y'all come over, I'm having a barbecue. No. Because I forgive you, don't mean I'm gonna go fish crappie with you. Right? Am I helping you? Galatians 6 1, he said, restore them. Restore them. And and I like this. The Greek says, very gently. Very gently. Tell you what, I'm just going to snatch them up. That's not gentle. <laughs> Amen. I, I, I I've only got a couple more verses. Look at First uh, Corinthians 13. Now we're not going in First Corinthians 13, maybe where you think we're going. I had my very first uh, my very first employer, Norman Potter. Norman Potter was a an old cowboy, and he had he had worked on I don't know numerous ranches all around western or uh, eastern New Mexico and, and West Texas. And when I when I met Norman, Norman was my uh, he was actually my my sister's father in law. When I when I when I started working for him, and uh, I worked out on the, uh, the ranch there in West Texas and worked for him. And uh, Norman had this ability to just he could correct you and he did it in such an easy way that you almost thanked him for chewing you out and I mean you knew you got a chewing but it was kind there was a reason for it I, pro- I probably shouldn't tell you this telling myself <laughs> hallelujah I'm not going to tell it y'all, y'all think bad of me oh, I'll tell it I uh my, my, my parents pastored a church in Clayton, New Mexico. Now, I'm a kid, and so me and my buddies, we decided we'd take up smoking. Don't judge. And Clayton, New Mexico was a little small town, about 2,000 people. And so we went to, uh, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the store. I forget the name. But anyway, only, one, only grocery store in town. Now, this is how many years ago this was. They, they had the cigarettes out on the turnstile. And you could just go get a pack and go buy them. You didn't even get carded, you know. And and so I don't. I forget how old we were. Not very old. And uh, uh, bought some cigarettes. And so uh, this was Sunday. Next day was work day. And so I'm I'm out uh, uh, on the ranch working. I, I I left school early. I left I left school before I finished ninth grade and was and was working. I was working full time when I was 13. And uh, in any event, uh. uh Norman said, "Hey, they called me Buddy." He said, "Come, come ride with me in the pickup. Let's go check some cattle." And I said, "Okay." Jump in the pickup, and uh, we were riding around. and And Norman was blind in his right eye, and it had a roving eye. And when you're talking to him, you're always trying to get in his sight. You wanted to make sure he, is he looking at me? Or, I don't know. But in any event. Uh, uh, he was blind in this eye, so I had to turn all the way and talk to you. And that bothered you because how are you seeing where we're going? Because you're looking at me. And so anyway, he, he, he stopped and he, he turned and looked at me and he said, uh, uh, So when did you take up smoking? I just looked at him. He said, uh, Yeah, me and Evelyn, that was his wife. He said, We were walking through the grocery store yesterday and saw you and that other young man uh, grabbing some cigarettes. I said, yeah, okay. And he said, you know what I found is a good idea? I said, what's that? He said, "Uh, anything you wouldn't do in front of folks, you probably shouldn't be doing it behind their back. And you know, that just stuck with me. I don't don't think I ever smoked another cigarette. Why did he say that? Because he cared about me. He loved me. He wanted me to, 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 to make it. Right? That doesn't sound like a real spiritual conversation. But there were other people in my life that knew I might be trying to go down that road. And they said nothing. And he had nothing to gain by talking to me. And he did it very gently. I felt like I could tell him anything. You want people that when they have a problem, that they will come and confide in you and not feel like you're going to hurt them and beat them up and be harsh to them, even though you might have to tell them the truth. My children know that I'm going I'm to tell you the truth. I'm going to stand for what's right. I, I was dealing with one of my children one time, and, 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 and they said something that wasn't right. They said something that was not true. And I looked at them, and I said, in love, I said, now that's a lie. And you remember what I told you was going to happen when you told a lie? And and they said, yes, and, and, and the discipline came. Not because I was mad at them. I love them. You follow me? People need to know that they can come and talk to you. Your children need to know that they can come and talk to you. And you're not going to lose your cool and blow your top and get upset. You're going to gently fix the problem. You're going to gently deal with it. Amen. Do, do you see that? I've had people over the years say this. Oh, I've got to hurry. I've had people over the years say this. You know, you always hear this where preacher's kids are the worst. I grew up a preacher's kid, and I can tell you why people say they're the worst. You want You want it from the horse's mouth? You want to keep believing people don't know what they're talking about? The horse's mouth. Here, 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 here. <laughs> here, here, here's the problem. Number one, the problem is so many ministers put pressure on their children to be adults when they're six. I don't, I don't want them to act up. It'll make me look bad. Well, now, now what are we dealing with? We're dealing with pride from him. Six-year-old's a six-year-old. Amen five-year-old's a five-year-old they're going to act like they're five they're going to act like they're three whatever it is i've had people say don't when kids cry in church does that bother you why would it bother me they're crying kids but 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 here's the point and so that child grows up with this hypocrisy in their life that i can't be who i am i can't be a kid i got to be spiritual and i don't even know what spiritual is amen don't put your children under that pressure teach them to love god teach them to care about the things of god but teach them you're going to make mistakes and you you're not trying to please anybody in this church but me you want to do what i want you to do right and what god wants you to do it's so important amen 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1, we'll hurry. He says, verse 1, Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, have not charity, I'm become a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy, I understand all mysteries, all knowledge, that I have all faith. I can remove mountains and have not charity, I'm nothing. Though I bestow my goods to feed the poor and have my body, give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profits me nothing. Now, verse 1 through 3, Describes a carnal man operating the gifts of the Spirit. Verse 1 through 3. Is describing a carnal man operating the gifts of the Spirit. You know carnal people speak in tongues and interpretation of tongues every day. Because it's as the Spirit wills. But notice something. His attention is not on the spiritual thing, which is love. Notice, we could say it this way. He speaks with the tongue of men and angels and has not love. He has the gift of prophecy and understands all mysteries, operates in the word of knowledge, has all kinds of special faith, and can remove a mountain after mountain, but yet he doesn't have love. amen the purpose for whatever you do in the ministry whatever place that you have is love you greet because you love people you usher because you love people you lead praise and worshiper operate in the praise and worship team because you love people you love God and you love people you want God's people to be blessed and refreshed amen one translation, the Berkeley translation says, if I don't have love, I'm useless. One translation says, if you don't have love, you're just annoying. Have you ever seen people that wanted to be spiritual, but they wouldn't walk in love? They're just annoying. Amen. See, this goes a long way, and I'm going to shorten this because we've got plenty of time to get into this and other services. That's why you've got to be careful going to people and telling them why they're going through what they're going through. I can tell you why you're sick. Watch it. Watch it. Be careful with that. Well, I believe the Lord told me, well, there's a way to do that. You come and get the pastor and you say, I believe the Lord said something to me about so-and-so's situation. Would you come with me? Or you tell the pastor, this is what I believe the Lord said to me. And you let what's the Bible say? That if you have something that you think is a word from the Lord, what should you do? Let it be judged. If I love that person, I want to be right. But people get hurt because people will come and say, I'll tell you why you're, you're facing that. You got unforgiveness in your heart. Well, listen, unforgiveness can hinder your healing, but it's not the sole source of, hind- of healing being hindered. It's not the answer to everything. And we've taught that so much that we got people that are so busy looking for doors that have been opened in their life. They can't focus on the faith to be healed because they're trying to shut doors. Amen. God loves you enough if you'll listen to tell you personally what's hindering your healing. Ask him and he'll tell you. Amen. Love is the evidence of spirituality. Love is the evidence of spirituality. Not speaking in tongues not laying hands on the sick. Listen, I I I've, I've known people over my life that that had tremendous healing ministries and were meaner than than mean. Hard on people. Unforgiving. But yet the anointing would show up and people would get healed by the droves. But that person wasn't spiritual. They spent no time praying. They spent no time seeking God. They spent no time in the Word. They showed up and preached and waited on the anointing. And that anointing would show up. But why would that anointing show up? Because there were people there that needed something from God. And God answered their prayer and gave them what they needed, even though He had to use that individual to do it. Because why? God loves people. And what's the Bible say that we're supposed to do? Imitate our Heavenly Father. Is that right? A person who walks in love has been giving their attention to spiritual things. Hallelujah. Tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, gift of faith, not signs of spirituality. And they're not signs of attention to spiritual things. Loves the sign. Loves the sign that I've been giving myself my attention to spiritual things. Hallelujah. And 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 we see that over and over again. I remember one time I'll, I'll share a couple uh, this story with you, and then I'll be done. I remember one time I was in. Uh, Uh, phoenix arizona i was uh pastor michelle and i were at a conference at the biltmore resort there with the organization that we were a part of and uh uh, the head of that organization invited us over to his uh i don't know what you would call it a condominium or whatever it was there at the biltmore resort uh in uh, phoenix and uh just ministers we were all visiting and dr john holland was there now? You may not know who Dr. John Holland was. Dr. John Holland used to be the president of the International Foursquare Church, and uh, uh, he had uh, uh, he had uh, come up under Amy Simple McPherson, and and uh, was just a wonderful man of God. Was a contemporary with Dr. Jack Hayford, and, and just a wonderful man of God. And he was he was in his uh, declining years at that time. He he passed away not too long after this. And he had pastored tremendous churches all over America and had been the the president of that organization. And I was was there uh, that night, and I noticed that he was sitting on the couch and nobody was talking to him. And so uh, I thought, well, you know, I'm going to go talk to him because I have a question for him. And I went over, and I asked Dr. Holland this question. I said, Dr. Holland, I said, uh, what advice would you give A young minister that wanted to ensure success in the ministry in his pastorate and i thought it was so interesting he had been in the ministry over 50 years at that time had ministered all over the world and he didn't blink an eye and he didn't hesitate he said walk in love love your people that was it he said that will ensure you success If you walk in love and you love your people. Now I'm I'm, I'm closing here because I've got to get you home. But I've watched this over the years. I've I've watched over the years. I've watched pastors get frustrated with their church. Frustrated with people. Frustrated with what they have to do in ministry. I I learned something a long time ago. You know. (laughs) People are the reason for the ministry. Right? And you'll hear pastors preach, they'll go, well, you know, pastoring's pretty good, people are pretty good except for the problems. That's why you're there. You're there because people have problems. You're there because people need the word to fix them. I'm God's mouthpiece in this moment to help you fix a problem. I'm not here to try to be as eloquent as I can be or for everybody to think I'm the best preacher that there is. It's the problem that can be fixed by what's being said. That's turning your attention to spiritual things. Never ridicule, minimize, and make less what God has placed in your life And refuse to walk in love with it. Amen. Do you see that? Because that's giving your attention to spiritual things. And and I'll close with this. You don't have to have an opinion. You don't have to have an opinion. I've had people say, what do you think? I don't have an opinion. Well, you've got to have an opinion. No, I don't. Amen. I I had two men one time that were on my board in the church, and they got upset about something. I I don't even Well, I do remember exactly why they got upset, because both of them started wanting to live in sin. And that's that's hard. You know, remember what the Lord told Paul? It's hard for you to kick against the pricks. Hard for you to keep kicking those sharp sticks. Hurts. And uh, so anyway, they decided that uh, they would leave the church and they didn't leave quietly they they left and made their grievances known to people not publicly but here's the point is I had one of those people call me and uh they they were asking me what about this what about this what about this what about this well I have a rule in my life I will not defend myself I mean you can say whatever you want to about me I'm not going to try to defend myself against what you're saying i've had people listen i've had people call me the devil and people call me jesus half brother it it's just it is right i'm rubber you're glue whatever you say bounce off me sticks on you and and that's that's my mindset and so i won't defend myself and this person was yelling at me i was we were going through a challenge in our ministry we, we had one car. We were in the middle of this situation where my wife, I had not take, we had not taken a check for six months. And, and part of it was because these people left our church and took $3,000 a month out of our ministry. Well, at the time of the growth of our church, that was a lot of money. And so I'm walking back home Because we only got one car, and my wife took it to her job. So I'm walking home, trying to deal with these people in love, and I got this guy on the other end of the phone yelling at me. I'm having to hold it out here. And he said, answer me! Answer me, you answer me! And I said, I don't have anything to say. You have to have something to say. No, I don't. You understand? Here's here's my point. They're wanting to get me down there with them. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Because somebody's got to be spiritual. Amen? That's a good place for you to say, that's me. I'm the spiritual person. Amen? Well, let's stand up tonight, shall we? I didn't intend to keep you this long. It wasn't that long, but. Well, you know, I respect your time. And. Uh, I I, I know how that is, you know, the pastor said, well, I'm winding down. Somebody will go, no, come on. He'll preach another 30 minutes. <laughs> so. <laughs> Glory to God. You know how that is. You'll be winding down. you here? hear, come on in. I'm coming. Praise God. <laughs> oh, and I here I go again. <laughs> All right, turn to No, amen. Glory to you, God. Good. Just say this with me. Lift one hand to heaven and say, Father, my desire is to please you. My desire is to be spiritual, to walk in love. To care about others more than I care about myself. Help me. Show me where I need to change. And I promise, I covenant with you. I'll change it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, come on, honey. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Uh, Students, of course, school tomorrow. Uh, evening Uh, there's no prayer tomorrow night we've we've changed that we're focusing on uh, Wednesday evening and Sunday evening so uh, no prayer on Monday evening but uh, we do have school and whether you know it or not I'll be teaching so you just just come and find out how praise God God's so good amen come on say it with me tonight would you the vision of our church is to build people's faith and frame their world by the word of God you and I will always be world changers. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for this message. We would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer request or want to share how this message has helped you, send us an email at maine at This message and many more materials are available to you free of charge. Can be found at buildfaith.net or at any of our location media stores. As always, keep the switch of faith turned on and build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God.